from the well-worn Bible that I started out preaching from 35 years ago. I preached my first sermon in a little place called Oak Grove, Florida, right on the Alabama-Florida line out from Atmore, Alabama, between Atmore and Pensacola. And I'm reading from 1 Corinthians chapter 9. Verses 16 through 27. First Corinthians 9, verse 16. For though I preach the gospel, I have nothing to glory of, for necessity is laid upon me. Yea, woe is unto me if I preach not the gospel. For if I do this thing willingly, I have a reward. But if against my will, a dispensation of the gospel is committed unto me. What is my reward then? Verily, that when I preach the gospel, I may make the gospel of Christ without charge, that I abuse not my power in the gospel. For though I be free from all men, yet have I made myself servant unto all that I might gain the more. And unto the Jews I became as a Jew, that I might gain the Jews. To them that are under the law, as under the law, that I might gain them that are under the law. To them that are without law, as without law, being not without law to God, but under the law to Christ, that I might gain them that are without law. To the weak became I as weak, that I might gain the weak, I am made all things to all men, that I might by all means save some. And this I do for the gospel's sake, that I might be partaker thereof with you. Know ye not that they which run in a race run all, but one receiveth the prize? So run that ye may obtain. And every man that striveth for the mastery is temperate in all things. Now they do it to obtain a corruptible crown, but we an incorruptible. I therefore so run, not as uncertainly, so fight I, not as one that beateth the air. But I keep under my body and bring it into subjection, lest that by any means, when I have preached to others, I myself should be a castaway. The Gospel of John chapter 1 verse 6 says, There was a man sent from God whose name was John. I believe the first prerequisite of a preacher must be that he be sent from God, that he be called by God. Now John came to bear witness of the light. He came with a rather simple diet of locust and wild honey. His attire was a leathern girdle of camel's hair. His message was uncomplicated, but it was from his heart. It was, behold the Lamb of God, repent, be baptized. He lost his head because he told Herod, that it was not lawful for him to have his brother Philip's wife. Well, John the Baptist is looked up to by all preachers 
as being an example of a man who had a call of God, who fearlessly, uncompromisingly declared the whole counsel of God, though it cost him his life. I believe God called me to preach before I was born. I answered the call to preach when I was 19 years old. In verse 16 of this chapter, I want to read again. For though I preach the gospel, I have nothing to glory of, for necessity is laid upon me. Yea, woe is unto me if I preach not the gospel. There is a compelling nature to the call of God to preach the gospel. I've often advised young men about the ministry. If they can do anything else, they should do it. If they can sell cars, if they can do any other type of work to make a living other than preach the gospel, then that's what they ought to do. For I believe the call of God is so compelling that a person cannot do anything else with a great degree of satisfaction without fulfilling this urgent call to preach the gospel that the Lord puts upon their heart. Paul said, necessity is laid upon me. In other words, he felt compelled to do so. The Phillips translation translates it that way. I feel compelled to do so. There is a divine, compelling force motivating and anointing the individual to preach the gospel. Paul was called to preach before he was born. In, first, in the first chapter of Galatians and in verse 15 we read, It pleased God who separated me from my mother's womb and called me by his grace. Paul said that even from my mother's womb, I was separated and called by the grace of God to preach the gospel of Christ. This call was reaffirmed at the time of his conversion. In Acts chapter 9, verses 15 and 16, God told Ananias that Paul or Saul of Tarsus was a chosen vessel unto me to bear my name before the Gentiles. In 1 Timothy chapter 1, verses 11 and 12, Paul said, I thank Christ Jesus our Lord, who hath enabled me for that he counted me faithful, putting me into the ministry. It was not something he decided would be a good profession. He didn't go to guidance counselors, and they advised him, well, you have a gift of gab, and uh, you, you have a way with words, and your mind seems to grasp the truths of your religion, so you ought to go into the ministry. No, he says God had chosen him as a chosen vessel and separated him from his mother's womb and called him by his grace. He enabled him, counted him faithful, putting him into the ministry. In Acts 26, verse 16, again, I have appeared unto thee for this purpose, to make thee a minister and a witness. Paul recounted the words of Jesus when God met him on that Damascus road and spoke to him and said, I have appeared unto thee for this purpose, to make thee a minister and a witness. 
And now then in his own words, he says, necessity is laid upon me. I feel compelled to do so. And if I don't preach this gospel, a dispensation of the gospel is committed unto me. He meant by that the responsibility for the gospel is laid at my feet if I don't preach the gospel. In fact, he said with these strong words, woe is me if I preach not the gospel of Christ. This is the compelling urgency with which this man approached the ministry that God had put him into. Necessity is laid upon the individual to share what God has put in their heart. There are too many mama called, papa sent individuals who are thrust out into a professional ministry that God never called them to. It's like the young man who went out into the ministry and decided all of a sudden that he better revisit the place where he saw in the clouds, GP, and he thought it meant go preach. Well, he tried his hand at it and he miserably failed. And he said, this thing's not what it's cracked up to be. He said, I think that GP meant go plow. And so he went back to the farm and started plowing. Well, I'll tell you, unless God has called you to preach the gospel, my advice to you is don't endeavor to do it. I don't mean that we should not witness, that we should not testify. Everybody should be a preacher in the sense that we share our faith and tell people that Christ is real. But there are too many disillusioned persons who tried to preach but did not succeed because really God didn't, did not call them into the ministry. There are some who are lay preachers that God has raised up and from time to time has used them in an effective pulpit ministry like he did with Stephen, like he did with Philip. They were not apostles. They were never intended to be such as Paul or others. But God, from these deacons, made ministers of the gospel for a specified time and for a particular purpose. And God is sovereign, and he raises up people with a ministry gift for a time that may not be a lifelong profession. And if God wants to make a preacher out of someone long enough, like a friend of mine who pioneered a church south of here, down in Keystone Heights, a lovely couple, a man and his wife, neither one of them preachers of the gospel, but they pioneered the Keystone Assembly of God Church and pastored it for a while, and then later pioneered another church, although neither of them have actually been called to a full-time pastorate and to the preaching ministry for a lifelong profession. But it's wonderful to see God use people who will make themselves available to God. Preach the gospel. It's not up to us to decide what people need to hear. It's the gospel that people must receive. And we're not called to represent a denomination. We're not called to represent some philosophy. We're called to preach the gospel. Paul says, though I preach the gospel, I have nothing to glory of. Necessity is laid upon me and woe is me if I preach not the gospel. Now you could interpret that this way. Woe is me if I preach anything but the gospel. For indeed it means that. Woe is me if I don't stand up and proclaim the gospel, but woe is me if I dare preach anything other than the gospel of Jesus Christ. 
This world does not need false teaching. This world does not need a new revelation. They need the word of God today. Though I preach the gospel. What is the gospel? It's the good news. It's the good news that Jesus is the only savior. He's the only redeemer. He's the only healer. The only baptizer. He was virgin born. He lived a sinless life. He died a sin atoning death. Vicariously he suffered in our place. He rose from the dead to justify us. He ascended back to God. And he's coming back again. Brother, that's part of the gospel. Not only the death, the sinless life of Christ, his virgin birth, his sinless life, his death and his resurrection, his ascension, but the promise that he's coming back again. We must also preach the gospel that embraces the teaching that all of us will one day rise from the dead. Because he lives, we shall live also. That's part of the gospel. So we preach the resurrection from the dead. We preach the second coming of Christ. We preach that this Bible is the inspired word of God from cover to cover. Not that it merely contains the truth, but that it is the truth of God. We preach that there is a heaven to gain and a hell to shun. That's part of the gospel. Because eternity is long and life is short and death is certain. And my friends, we dare not preach it any other way. There is a hell that is hot and a heaven that is glorious. The good news is that Jesus gives life. He said, I've come that I might give them life and life more abundantly. We must not preach false doctrine or error. We must not preach passing fads and things that come along in different generations and in our generation, we've had many, many, many fads. And preachers have capitalized on these things that aroused people's interest. And they've taken off after these things and magnified them and emphasized them far out of proportion to the intent that God ever intended they be. And they're what I call fads. But we must not be drawn to those things. We must preach this gospel from cover to cover. I... I don't think that I would ever want to be known for being a preacher of just prophecy or a preacher of the Old Testament covenant or a preacher of the New Testament covenant. I want to preach this Bible from cover to cover. Paul said before his death, I have not shunned to declare the whole counsel of God. The whole counsel of God. Sometimes it is not pleasant when people are reproved or rebuked, or if in some way they're directed to change their lifestyle, reaction to a gospel message might not be so pleasing sometimes. But a man of God must never refuse to declare the whole counsel of God. Fearlessly, he must preach the gospel. We are not called to be men pleasers. In verse 23 of this same chapter, we read, and this I do for the gospel's sake. I thought about that for a moment. Things we do for the gospel's sake. And this I do for the gospel's sake. Well, in verse 18, he said, I make the gospel of Christ without charge. By that he meant, I don't put a price tag on my ministry. And friends, I, I support the philosophy that 
Preachers ought to be paid for their ministry and their services, and the Bible teaches that. It says, Muzzle not the ox that treadeth out the corn, and oxen have to be fed, so we oxen have to be taken care of. <laughs> and so, you know, I realize that's a biblical principle, but I also realize that it's a sin to put a price tag on my ministry, to deny people of the ministry that God called me to because of a lack of or want of more money. And so I've made this part of my lifelong practice, never to put a price tag on my ministry. I'm not bragging about that, but Paul said, I make the gospel of Christ without charge. And I want to stand on that same premise today. I believe that I would be willing to resign this church today if the Holy Spirit led me to do so. And go out into the stick somewhere and pioneer a church from scratch. Not having one member or one piece of property or anything to start with. Just go because God said go. I am not a hireling. I am not a servant to money. I am a servant of God. And he has called me to be a servant to his people. And so Paul said, I make the gospel of Christ without charge. I serve as a presbyter. And oftentimes I have the privilege of helping to relocate ministers and churches and help churches find a pastor when they're without a pastor. And it's been distressing for me to interview some young men who feel that the call of God is linked to their financial security. And they won't consider a church unless it has a parsonage, provides an automobile allowance, and certain things. Well, you know, I was just brought up in the old school that if God called you, you ought to go and trust God for the money. God will do better by you than people will. I have no complaint for what people have done for me because they've been better to me than I ever deserved. I'll promise you that. I don't deserve what I get today. And I have no complaint. But I'll tell you this, friends. God is better to a man when he obeys the call of God than people would be if a man was not obeying the call of God. In verse 19, another thing he said, that he did for the gospel's sake. I make myself a servant unto all. We're a servant of God, but we're a servant of the people also. I'm glad that I've never felt disposed to have my telephone number unlisted and make myself unavailable to people. There are very few telephone calls from our congregation that would be termed unneeded or, or being careless or, or not being considerate. And I'll guarantee you that it gives me a sense of pleasure to know that our people feel free to call on their pastor. And so I wouldn't want to be anything other than a servant. And a servant can't serve if he can't be found, if he can't be located, if he can't be contacted. If he's got his private time, well, you know, I feel like, and all of our ministers share the same philosophy, that we are your servants. Every one of them have that philosophy. And if we're called on in the middle of the night or on our day off or on Sunday or Saturday, any other time, we respond because Paul says, I make myself a servant unto all. And that's key to verse 23 when he said, this I do for the gospel's sake. The gospel is worthy of that kind of commitment. 
In verse 22, another thing he does for the gospel's sake is, he said, I am made all things to all men. Now, Paul would never make that statement except for the gospel's sake. Here was a man with pride. Here was a man who had a, a good education, who had power in his religion. And yet, when God saved him and called him to preach, he said, I am made all things to all men. As a Jew, I become Unto the Jews, I become as a Jew. Unto those that are under the law, I become as if I'm under the law. As to those who are without the law, I become as if I'm without the law. As to those who are weak, I become as if I'm weak. Well, here was a man who would never do these things. He was proud of his Judaism. He was proud of the law. He was proud of being a strong-minded, willed individual. But he said, for the gospel's sake, I made all things to all men. Beloved, the gospel of Christ deserves that kind of commitment. In verse 24, he says, this is why I do it. Let me read it for you. Know ye not that they which run in a race run all, but one receiveth the prize? So run that ye may obtain. Run that ye may obtain. Preach that you may attain. Serve that you may attain. Attain unto what? He's talking about an incorruptible crown that he identifies in verse 25. They do it to obtain a corruptible crown, but we do it for an incorruptible crown. For you see, at the end of this race, there's a crown that fadeth not away. A sign on the Normandy Park Baptist Church Marquis out on, the, uh, on Normandy Boulevard one day said something to the effect that the wages of the gospel may be low, but the retirement benefits are out of this world. <laughs> Praise God. Oh, hallelujah. Friends, to obtain, run, that you may obtain. And what do we want to obtain? An incorruptible crown, one that cannot be tarnished. One that cannot be taken away. Thank God we'll never be busted in the ranks when we've attained, when we finally reached that wonderful golden shore and he gives us that reward. Well, he says a man that runs this kind of race in verse 25 will run as one who striveth for the mastery. And if he does that, he is temperate in all things. It's incumbent upon a minister that he learn to be a temperate man. And with that, let me quickly add that as far as strong drink is concerned, that means total abstinence, a teetotaler. But temperate in appetite, temperate in being involved in other activities that demand your time and energies, temperate so that we... Remember, we are striving for the mastery. We want to win the race. We want to be crowned with an incorruptible crown. In verse 26, Paul says, I run with certainty. I fight, not as one that beateth the air, shadow boxing, but I know who my opponent is. I know the devil is my arch enemy. I know that I've got to fight in this fight. And I've got to run in this race. 
In verse 27, he says, I keep my body under and bring it to subjection. One of the lessons that a minister must learn is that what is lawful for some people may not be allowable for him because of the example that he sets, because of so many eyes watching him, because of some who might be offended. Paul says, if somebody's offended at my eating meat, I won't eat meat. I could do it and it not bother my conscience. But he said, if it's going to hurt somebody else, I will refrain. This is exactly what he meant when he said, to the Jews, I become as a Jew. To those who are under the law, as if I'm under the law. To those who are without the law, as if I'm without the law. To those who are weak, as if I am weak. And I'm sure that he meant in terming those who were weak, those who were not strong enough to have an understanding of what would bring them under bondage and what would not bring them under bondage. He said, if I'm going to offend my brother with my meat, I will not eat that meat in his presence. I'll just wait till I get to the next town. <laughs> but oh, sometimes we want to flaunt our freedom. Even if it hurts or injures someone else, but he said, I am made all things to all men if by any means I might win some. That's the objective, to win some, to bring some to the saving knowledge of Christ. In Romans 1 verse 16, Paul says, I am not ashamed of the gospel for it is the power of God unto salvation. We have nothing to hang our head about when it comes to this high calling of God that God has called us to be involved in preaching the gospel. Going back to verse 27 of our text, he said, I keep my body under and bring it into subjection. My ministry is not a slave to my body. My body is a slave to the ministry. Everything, everything is controlled by this calling of God upon my life. I bring my body under subjection. It must obey. He said, lest after I have preached to others, I myself might be a castaway. There are many interpretations of that. Some feel that it means that a potter might have a vessel that has a crack in it. And instead of crushing it and redoing it, he saves it and says, well, I'll still have some use for it. While another might toss it onto the junk heap and say it's of no value whatsoever. And one might totally remake it for a more serviceable use. But Paul said under any condition, I don't want to be a castaway. The vessel, this treasure we have in earthen vessels, and we, we remember that. What was said of John the Baptist, there was a man sent from God. He wasn't an angel. He didn't have a halo around his head. He was just a man. People forget that, that preachers are just men. They get hungry, they get tired, they get angry. <laughs> a man sent from God. But you see, Paul says, I know I'm a man, but I'm called a man. I was separated from my mother's womb, called to preach the gospel. 
And this body is just like anybody else's body. It craves the things of the flesh, but I won't listen to it. I say no to the flesh. I bring it under subjection that I can please the one who has called me. Lest after I have preached to others, I myself should become a castaway. In closing, I want to read you something that I clipped from a magazine or copied from a magazine entitled, I'm Not Ashamed. It's by Elmer Morgan. I'm part of the fellowship of the unashamed. I have Holy Spirit power. The die has been cast. I have stepped over the line. The decision has been made. I am a disciple of his. I won't look back, let up, slow down, back away or be still. I won't give up, shut up, let up until I have stayed up, stored up, prayed up, paid up, preached up for the cause of Christ. I am a disciple of Jesus. I must go on till he comes, give till I drop, preach till all I know and work till he stops me. And when he comes for his own, he will have no problem recognizing me. My colors will be clear. I no longer need preeminence, prosperity, position, promotions, plaudits, or popularity. I don't have to be right, first, tops, recognized, praised, regarded, or rewarded. I now live by presence, lean by faith, walk by patience, Lift by prayer and labor by power. I remain your minister, not to be served, but to serve. I love you. My meaning and purpose for life is here. Let's go forward together. Praise God. Praise God. I'd like to close this service this morning by simply singing the chorus, Where He Leads, I'll Follow. And as we do, I'd like for you to examine your heart. What has God been dealing with you about in relationship to His will and call and purpose for life and being? It may be that many of us need to take inventory, make a new commitment, and start out afresh and anew. Some among us this morning, without a doubt, need to walk this aisle and say, Jesus, here's my life. I give it all to you. I'm not saved, but I want to start today serving you. And I do it by coming to accept Christ. 